Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. In the next three weeks, I want to talk to you about abundant living. I believe that God has called us to live in abundant living. Now, to give you just a, I guess you can say a precursor to the message today, I want you to know that when I speak on this today, I want you to think about the nudges that God places on your heart to do that type of obedience when God puts something on your heart because we're going to read some New Testament stuff some Old Testament stuff today but I want you to look at your obedience not being so much about the letter of the law uh, because none of us can keep the law we don't have a problem with murdering I hope and some of those other things, but there's some, a lot of these little laws that we, we break and sinful, and we ask God to forgive us, and it's a relationship with God. But I really want to look at, there are certain principles in the New Testament, if we do them, we're blessed. And there are certain principles throughout Scripture, when we do them, we're blessed. So we're talking about abundant living, but I want you to look at it more than just financial, because as soon as you start talking about people think it's finances, I'm not really speaking finances today at all. But I want you to think about just the wealth of God for your life, okay? And, and God wants you to live in abundant living. I want to stretch your thinking today with that. And our, more of our focus is on obedience to God in the life we live, all right? When it comes to our salvation, we know it's a free gift. And, and it's freely given to us. But after salvation, don't get me wrong, the grace of God and God does things for us. But then there's things principle-wise, that God does for our life. And we see that all throughout Scripture, just the principles of being a good human, a principle of being a giver, a principle of just living a faithful life before God. There's rewards for that. Have you ever been around someone that you want to be around them a little bit more because they're just a good person? You're like, they are such a good person. I want that to rub off on me just a little bit. So we, we all have that, uh, and people we describe. There's even people within this congregation that when people ask me about them, I'm like, they are just incredible. I said, if I, I know I'm their pastor, but I feel like they're a better person than I am. And, I, you know, you just, there's those people that you just believe in like that. But abundant living is this. It is a place where believers are destined to live in confidence, solidly positioned in the exclusive air of God's blessing. God wants to blow our minds with his goodness in our lives. I really believe God wants to blow our minds with how good he's able to be to, to, the, to us. And with saying that, God wants to bless our lives, but there's still believers that are not fully experiencing maybe the promises of God. And maybe you have been praying, and maybe you fasted, and maybe you've been a giver. Maybe you meditate on God's word daily, and you're doing all those things, so you ask the question, what am I doing wrong? And a lot of times we do, we ask, well, why is so-and-so being blessed and I'm not? Why does it seem like everything they touch has favor on their life? You know, there's this lady, I told it to the last service towards the end of, uh, of the message, but there's a lady that I know, and, and this guy I met from South Georgia. When I met them, they had nothing. I mean, when I say nothing, they had nothing. And, and he's just a really good guy. He was a builder. He could build anything. But there was a lot of competition where they lived in South Georgia for people building. And he really didn't have much. But his wife began to pray over his gifts and talents every day for years. 
And he began to have favor. He would come home and say, I don't understand all this favor I'm having, financial favor and favor with people and relationship favor and job favors. And, and, and like things that shouldn't happen normally is just happening. And after a while, him doing that and coming in, and they became wealthy, she began to let him in on a secret. She even wrote a book about it, How to Pray for Your Spouse and Pray in Favor of Your Spouse Every Day. She said, Every day I have spoke these blessings over you. These are the blessings I have prayed over you. Like, you know, when Kristen tells me she's praying for me, I think she's trying to change me in a way to her. You know, I'm just joking when I say y'all supposed to laugh. Y'all y'all was like, man, Pastor, where are you going with this? Sick, sick pastor, sick joke. But, you know, but I'm just, you know, I can remember growing up and 16, 17-year-old leaving the house at 6.30 in the morning and my mom just praying for me. Me knowing I'm not where I need to be with God. Me knowing that I was raised right, but me also just being a crazy teenager. And, but I can remember my mom praying for me. And, and, and I remember and I believe that those prayers over my life, just like that prayer that lady spoke blessings and promises over her husband, he became a wealthy man. But just not wealthy financially, but so many things he does for the kingdom. I believe what God gives us is meant to steward the kingdom. I I'm not just talking about money, but I'm talking about relationships. That relationships you got are meant to stir the kingdom, the job, the influences, your circle. All that somehow God wants to use for his kingdom. Because I believe everything that God places in a possession is for the kingdom. But we have to understand today there's a biblical pattern of hearing and receiving and faithfully applying what God calls us to do. And I believe there's rewards and there's promises with that. The children of Israel were promised such blessing to have been standouts in a world of darkness. They was called to be light in a dark world. And God promised to bless them beyond measure if they, if they would do it and deserve it according to Scripture. And we're going to read that now in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass if, big word if, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command to you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations. Now, that word set high above the nations, when you look at it, it's talking about abundant living. When you break it down into Hebrew, it's talking about a living that is more than just the natural. It's talking about a supernatural type of living. And then it says in the next verse, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. It's just not talking about commandments. The commandments, we know the commandments. We know what to do, and we, most people know what is right and what is wrong. And we know that, and the Holy Spirit leads our life, and we know those things. But he said the voice of the Lord your God, that God wants to overtake you with blessings in your life. Now, we know the children of Israel did not always obey the voice of God. There was times they murmured and complained and refused to believe God time and time again. Just think over one million Hebrew slaves escaped the powerful armies of Pharaoh having left Egypt with boldness. They were enslaved for over 400 years. They left though rich. They taken all the gold. They taken all the bronze, all the silver, all the fine linens. They taken it all and they taken everything from their oppressors. They had no idea that the purpose of leaving with wealth would be used of building a tabernacle to abide in God and to worship God. That's the reason why I said everything God gives you is to be a steward for his kingdom. They left Egypt of all this wealth, but it was to be used to build a house of worship for God to uh, abide in and for them to access his presence and to worship him. God was very specific on getting his people to the wilderness. Why? 
so they could worship him. He said, I've got to get them out of Egypt. Because all, everything in Egypt is false worship. Everything in, in Egypt represents sin and oppression. He said, I've got to get them out so they'll get to know me. And then it says in Deuteronomy 8 and 2, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, first of all, God didn't need to know what was in their heart. He already knew, did know. But by them going to the wilderness, they begin to learn a lot about themselves, what was in their heart. Have you ever been through a trying season and things come up out of you and you're like, man, that is ugly. Why is that in me? I thought I got that under the blood. I thought I got that taken care of. But you find there's something in your life. Man, this season's showing. I still have some work that the Lord is trying to show me to do in my life. That word test right there in Deuteronomy 8 and 2 actually means this in the Hebrew. It means to try or to test by smell. In other words, to taste it or to smell it. So he's like, you're going to be able, when I test you, it's going to be tasted, it's going to be smelled. Now after the great flood, and the scripture reveals that Noah offered a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Lord, it said, he smelled a sweet savor. In other words, a sweet smell due to the sacrifice came up to him. So we got to ask, is our obedience to God, and a lot of times when you're talking about obedience, we're talking about sacrificial things. God sometimes will put things on your heart that will make you go beyond what you're comfortable in going. I'm an extrovert. You put me in a room with ten people. I don't know. In 30 minutes, there could be 30 other people besides those 10. In 30 minutes, I'm probably going to know those people, not even trying. I'll ask them, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Then I introduce them. Hey, John, how do you, you know my name? Man, I just know. I've been talking to that guy over there, asking him who he was. Wanted to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Scotty. You know, that's me. I go in a room. That's who I am. I just, you know, you put Kristen in a room. She's not working the room. Mm-mm. She's not working the room. Me, I naturally work the room. I don't even try. I just go in. I know people. I'll get to know them really quick. That's just my personality. And, and, but there's things, even me being an extrovert, that God will have me to do that's uncomfortable, that I feel like he's impressing upon me to do, that makes me uncomfortable in who I am. And a lot of times, God will put something on you. It's a sacrifice that makes you go beyond your normal for you in your flesh, possibly, to just go and get something done in the kingdom. God was and is still looking for people whose acts of worship is through their obedience and submission. Worship we know the Bible says those that worship God worship in spirit and worship in truth. Spirit is what we do when we're singing. We're connecting with God spiritually. That's our spirit. Truth is living out our life. So everything we do in life is worship. When you get up in the morning, the way you talk to one another, the words you speak over your life, that is worship. Whether you realize it or not, that is worship. So when he's talking about truth, what about the worship we give God when he gives us those nudges to our spirit to do something? And then we do them. That is worship to God. That is obedience unto God. See, the intention of the wilderness of the children of Israel was a testing ground that would bring forth a consciousness of God. God just wanted them to be conscious of him. They, he wanted them to acknowledge him. It, they had came to a place that they were just down. They was downtrodden. And then they got their deliverance. And God said, I've got to get you to the wilderness so that you can see me in everyday living and have a consciousness of me. Israel, for over 400 years before they was delivered out of Egypt, had been at the mercy of a cruel, idolatrous, calf-worshipping, golden image-worshipping nation for centuries. 
And they were completely dependent upon the Egyptians for all their sustenance. And they were uh, unknowing of their true purpose in God. They really did not know their purpose. So God's like, I've got to get them out of Egypt so that I can reveal to them who I am. And so that they know who they are in me. And they can live out their purpose in me. God sometimes has to get you from one season into another season. So you can discover your new purpose and destination in the kingdom. I'm not just talking about eternity. I'm not talking about just going to heaven. God has a plan for you in the earth of abundant living before you ever get to heaven. That's the plan of God. To get you there. So they endured trials. They experienced miraculous deliverances. That which were both designed by God. To teach them obedience. And enable them to worship God. Because of this they begin to see supernatural living. God began to rain man out of heaven. Now that's supernatural. Every day of their life. Was kept up by supernatural living. God would move upon them in supernatural ways to give them water, to give them, to defeat their enemies, to feed them food, to sustain them in every way. One of my favorite things is their shoes never wore out. Now, we try to keep our shoes clean, don't we? Can you imagine for 40 years, they wore the same shoes and they never wore out? Some of those people grew, their feet grew. Come on. So that means probably their shoes grew with them and with their feet. So I can't imagine Never have to clean my Jordans or clean my shoes. That they just keep up. The tread never wears out. You know, besides just treating them as a precious Sunday commodity or a special occasion. But every day they wore them supernaturally. God allowed their shoes to be kept up. I mean, that's just supernatural. Now, we we look at that. Do you realize every day there's supernatural blessings happen for you and I? Think about your mental health. Think about your health. Think about your finances. Think about God providing the job. Whether you like it or not, God gave you that job. God gave you your wealth. He gave you your family. If you don't like your family, I'm sorry. Take it up with God. But God gave you everything in your life. And you are the steward, your children, and your life, and your job, and your money, and your mental health, and your time, your talent, your treasure as God has commissioned you. So he's given us all, all of us supernaturally, given the air we breathe. So just as the children of Israel every day had supernatural living, we have supernatural living in this natural world. Because God is the giver of all things. Now, when they left Egypt, they, most of the children of Israel, of course, you know, they just came out of deliverance. And they go into the wilderness for 40 years. Most of them die off, except for Joshua and Caleb. The only three things that they brought out of Egypt and the people that came out of Egypt that went into the promised land of people was a dead man's bones and two live men. Joshua, Caleb, and then they had Joseph's bones because Joseph said, when I die, don't leave my bones here. Egypt's a horrible place. Don't leave my bones. So when they left Egypt, they took his bones. And they had his bones all through the wilderness. So the new generation that came up out of the first generation went into the wilderness, goes into the promised land with Joshua, Caleb, and Joseph's bones. 
This process was about honoring God. It's about worshiping God. It's about trusting God. Many people have written down the promises God has given them in moments of meditation or prayer, maybe in a church service, or maybe while you listen to worship on the way to work, God spoke something to you. I mean, I, I mean, we've all had things we know God has spoke to us for promises of our life. It may be concerning our children. It may be concerning our life. But we got those promises, and we hold dear to those promises of God. See, they, they had a promise and they had the word, but they had not seen the promise manifest in their personal life. That's what was happening with Joshua and Caleb. They knew they were supposed to possess the land, but yet they hadn't possessed it, hadn't seen it manifest yet. There's things that God gives us through his word and through promises, but yet we've not seen them manifest yet. In fact, it's like they were carrying the promise like a woman carries a child. When we get a promise from God, it's like a seed. But sometimes we got to hold on to that seed for a while. And next thing you know, that seed begins to grow. And there's a growing period for that seed. And you know that seed's growing just like a child is growing in the mom's womb. And then next thing you know, you get birth to it. And the promise is there. But every day as you're living out the promise, it changes its looks. And maybe even how big it gets. Because it starts out small and it continues to grow just like a child. Like when a child's born. Don't that look like... Mama Sue, no, that, that looks like Harry Joe, you know, that, that looks like Uncle Bob over there. It looks like this guy or that guy or this, this, this woman in the family. And next thing you know, oh, that looks like Dad. No, no, that looks like the mom. And, and no, good mix. You hear it the whole time. The child's growing because it's changing. Your promise, when it manifests, will continually change as it matures and it grows in your life. Can I tell you, I knew promises God had given me. I knew when they was beginning to manifest, but it never did look like what I thought it would look like. My imagination of what the promise would be was totally different. There's things about this church that God spoke to me years ago, right when I got here, that the way we look today and what we're doing today had nothing I had in mind, but it's the promise that God gave me. Just a totally different look than what I thought. See, is Genesis 15 basically says to, says to God, what, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Abraham speaking. Maybe you've heard the promise of God in the time of prayer, just like Abraham had heard the promise. Yet Abraham, after years, was childless. You've got to realize if God made you a promise, you need to hang on to the promise that God has given you. So we've got to ask ourselves, have we really followed what God has placed upon our heart? The Bible says in Exodus 13, 17 through 18, says that it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near, God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God said, I can't send them that way because they're not ready for war. If I send them that way, the Philistines are going to scare them off. So God led the people by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. The children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. God knows exactly where you need to be, and what you're ready to take on. See, a lot of the reason why the first generation of wilderness did not take and possess the land is they had a grasshopper mentality. They seen themselves as grasshoppers and said the promise was too big for them. Now, this is where I want to stretch your thinking. A lot of times we think when we see something bigger and better and God's trying to take us there, we think that we're too little to take it on. So God had allowed 
Moses, the reason why he didn't go is he hit the rock and he's supposed to speak to the rock to get water. But the other ones had to die out because the mentality of a grasshopper was in their mind when God was trying to get them to the promised land and to see him as bigger than what he ever, than what they ever imagined, to see him bigger and to see themselves as good enough and that they were still yet able to take the lamb and champion it as God had called them to. A lot of times we don't think we can overcome and be the champion of the land that God's called us to. The reason why we're the champions is not because of anything to do with us, but it's everything to do with what God has called us to do in our life. See, God knew lengthening their stay in the wilderness would be the best method to instill truth in their hearts. But yet, a lot of them had a grasshopper mentality still yet. So he said, you know what? We've got to let that die. There's some things that we've got to let die about ourselves in order to gain a bigger mentality. We've got to get rid of stinking thinking and small thinking. We got to get rid of cultural differences. We got to lay down the things that would keep us from possibly getting the better job, of seeing our marriage healed, of seeing our kids do better and our grandkids do better, of seeing our finances increase. All those things, God wants you in abundant living. You cannot say, I'm too small and I'm not big enough for that because your God's bigger than everything that's in this world. And if he's called you to it, then you are bigger than the grasshopper and you're well able to overtake the land. Yeah, give him praise today. See, the plan of the enemy is this, is that you die in the midst of your wilderness experience. See, a lot of people, they just sit back, looking at the promise and say, man, I just don't think I can take it. Just don't know if that's meant for me because it's been tough lately. You know, nobody knows what's going on in my home. Nobody knows how bad my, it's just tough. So then we go grasshopper mentality. But we've got to say, in spite of how tough it is and how bad my trial's been, and no matter what I've been through in my wilderness time, God said I'm well able to take the land. Listen, your failure don't dictate the promise. Abraham failed miserably. I mean, he slept with someone that wasn't his spouse to try to make the promise come about. We're talking about failure, but that did not dictate that God had a promised child for him. So don't you dare cancel out the promise God's placed in your life because you failed here or there. God says you're still well able to take it. See, what we do is we cancel our, ourselves out. We do. We say, well, we can't do that because I did this. I've done that. Do they not know my past? This is what's going on in my home. God says, listen, though hell may be happening in your home, I still yet can bring heaven to earth to make sure you get to where I've called you to be. Amen. Amen. See, God has called us to enjoy the land. He's called us to enjoy life. He's called us to have abundant life. It doesn't mean we won't have trials or temptations and all that. But just as God made ways for the children of Israel many times, he makes those same ways for you and I. God gives us promises of his presence in our lives. He gives us provision and he's provided that for us the means to continue in the faith. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, God always provides a means of escape whenever temptation comes our way. It says in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. Jesus spoke that verse 41 out of chapter 26 to his disciples right before he was getting ready to go to Golgotha's Hill. It's when he, his sweat turned into great drops of blood. 
He said, can y'all just tarry with me one hour? Can y'all pray with me? In the greatest hour of trial for Jesus, he couldn't get no one to pray with him one more hour. It was the time that Judas would come and kiss the door of life, Jesus himself, and they would come and take him to the whipping post, put him on trial, and hang him on a cross. But in those moments, you have to understand that, could you imagine how the disciples felt? What did they do? They abandoned Jesus in that moment. I mean, Peter had even done more than just than abandon him. He denied him. He even cursed when he denied him. They failed miserably. A lot of them just went back to their normal lives. Some of them, as we know, went back to fishing. They was discouraged. They were depressed. But yet, that did not dictate the promise for their life. Jesus had to come back to them with his, with his glorified body. And he'd go and meet with them in different times and say, Listen, guys, it's not over. The cross isn't when it was over. That was just the beginning. Can I tell you the death of the thing you're feeling is just the beginning of God getting ready to birth something brand new in your life. The death brought forth the resurrection. Until there is a death of a thing, there'll never be a resurrection of a thing. Sometimes things got to die for other things to live. That thing you've been dealing with that feels like it's dying, maybe it's time to take on a new season, turn a new leaf, and take the field and say, God's called me to abundant living. There's always a wilderness. There's always a battle. And there's always an enemy to face. But God prepares a table in the presence of his enemies. God prepares a table in the presence of attacks. That's called abundant living. We've heard it before. New levels, new devils. I want to word it this way. New levels have new tables. In other words, God's going to give you food that you've not seen yet. He's going to give you supernatural things in the, in the most chaotic time of your life. There's times when hell's breaking loose, and I have seen blessings and miracles. I have lived it. Miracles falling from the sky, but yet the greatest trial of my life. All at the same time, because there's new tables with those new levels. That means new supernatural blessings that keep your life, and keep your family, and keep your co-workers, and keep that job site going that you're on, because God works supernaturally on behalf of the child of God. God may even have a new method for you to eat in this season. You heard me preach about Elijah and the ravens a few weeks ago. I told you ravens were unclean. To Jewish people, they're very unclean. Could you imagine Elijah just saying, well, that's a raven. I'm not eating anything from that. He would have starved. God can use what he wants to use. To bring forth blessing in your life. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants when he wants. And God can use whatever he desires to get something to you. Just because God spoke a promise to you does not guarantee that the promise is going to be received and will come to pass no matter how lofty or fantastic it is. Moses was promised the promised land but didn't go. God told him you would go. Every promise of God comes with a condition that must be met before the promise can become a reality. And it's not about a matter of commandments. It's not a matter of dictating of whether you failed or not. But a lot of times it's just simply getting rid of a grasshopper mentality. Stretch your thinking. I'm going to think bigger. I'm going to see things bigger. And I'm going to see things from the eye of God that he supernaturally can get done whatever he needs to get done. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, 21 and 22 says, Then Jesus looking at him, loved, look, looked at him, loved him, and said to him. Now listen, Jesus is saying some harsh words here. 
that we would think was harsh, but really they're loving. He said he looked at him and loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This was the rich young, the young rich ruler. And Jesus said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And Jesus said, take up the cross. The cross, that time everybody knew what the symbol of the cross was. This is before Jesus died, but the symbol of the cross was death, was cursing and humiliation. He said, you're going to have to humble yourselves. You're going to have to die to this world. And he said, you're going to have to take up on the thing that seems like is low to you. But how many knows there should be a proverb that says you can't outgive God? The Bible says every time you give, God gives back. Press down, shaking together, running over. That when you give, God gives back. We don't give with the intention just to give. But you can't give kindness and not receive kindness. It's coming. Because that's just the economy of the kingdom. You can't give tithes and offering and it not come back. You can't give good words to people and it not come back. You can't just give time to people and be courteous to people and be really good to folks and it not come back. Everything we give in word and deed, in ability, in our time, in our talent, in our treasure, God brings back to our life. Could you imagine? He thought he was rich. Could you imagine if he gave it all up, sold it, what he would have received back, but he could not see because he had a grasshopper mentality. So he walked away sad, according to the Scripture. He went away sorrowful, is the way the Scripture says, because he had great possessions. Can I tell you, God's got way more than what we have. And anything you give, the economy of the kingdom, the stock market of the kingdom is this, is that you're always going to gain as you put in. And the more you put in, the more you gain. And I'm talking about with everything that you have. That's in serving. That's in giving. That's in time. That's in meditation. That's in just being faithful to God. There's something about being faithful to the house of God. There's something about being faithful to doing a daily devotion. There's something about it that brings favor upon your health to do the right healthy things in life. That God will even begin to sustain you because you're putting the right measures in place. I can go on and on all day long about this being the temple of God and us just taking care of the temple. But Deuteronomy 28 and 1 says, Now shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all these commandments, which I command you, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. In other words, God will give you abundant living. Every promise of God comes with a life-defining moment. There's been moments that that nudge has come. And when it comes, you're like, you know, Sherman, Pastor Sherman, won't you come up here real quick? I use shy and I... Thing. I don't have a kid close to me that, that I feel comfortable using. I could have used Nick. Didn't see Nick over there. But when I first got saved, for the Holy Spirit to get my attention, he pushed me, and I'm not going to push Pastor Sermon like because he might fight back. <laughs> I'm not ready to fight. I'm not never been at my fighting weight. So, you know, it'd be like he pushed me and shoved me hard. But after you've been serving God, he don't really shove you. His nudges is just gentle like this. Hey, I'm here. Are you going to obey me? You know, it's like that. We're not talking about the Ten Commandments and all the subcommandments. We're talking about the voice of God in your life. There's such favor about when those nudges come. And this is what it does. And when you come to the point that's easy for you to say yes, that's good. But there time, comes time God will make you uncomfortable. And those are tough. You sit down. Thank you. Let's give Sherman a hand.
He done good today. But there comes a time that those things have got to become easy for us. Very easy. Yes, some things God's going to do to take care of your life, but then those, those, those blessings of the obedience, the small, still voice, if you will. When you study out what God says, there's many times in Scripture it says to hearken to his call. I, you know, I never did like that word hearken because it's just weird. But that word hearken doesn't mean just to hear the word being taught, but to listen to the intent to obey. I know you all have no problems getting your kids to do chores. We don't put up Ethan's laundry. We do the laundry. We set it out. He puts it up. But I went in his room the other day. It was this week. It's Friday, I think. I said, Ethan, put up your laundry. Like, we'll make him come get it, or we'll lay it on his bed and put it up. I walked in there about 30 minutes later. He heard me. He said, yes, okay. I told him again. He looked back. Man, I forgot. That quick in 30 minutes, he forgot. You know, just left. You know, he turned around and seen it a few times. Second time, he obeyed me. He hearkened. He just didn't hear it, but he obeyed. Was I mad at him? No. I just said, if I went in there another time, I don't know. I might have said, you better get it now, you know, one of those things. It's just laundry. But he hearkened. God, a lot of times we hear him, but do we hearken to him? That's the question. Do we hearken to him? Do we actually begin to obey him? Yes, God, I'll do that. Yes, yes, I'll do that. I mean, you, he speaks to you. I don't know what God's speaking to you in this season. This is sort of a challenging word because I can't tell you what your relationship with God is like and what God's speaking to you. You might say, well, I'm doing everything to the Lord. Well, that's great. But maybe some of you, there's things that God's put up on your heart. And you're like, man, I've got to listen to what the Lord's saying. I've got to do it with, and I've got to be active with it. You know, how many of us would be willing to take Jesus on his offer they made to the young rich ruler? God's never asked me to sell everything. I've always been a tither. Y'all know that. I mean, I just, I like to, that's my testimony. I'm very upfront with money. We are blessed, but I believe it's because we're a tither. But God tells us to give above that a lot of times, Kristen, and I will do it. But I can remember when we didn't have much. I don't want to use the word poor. We've never been poor. But we didn't have much when we first got married. We lived off love. Okay, we fought a lot. Year one, we fought a lot, lived off love. Year two was a lot better, and every year after that's gotten better. But year one, I look back, I'm like, man, we were, we were crazy. But y'all wasn't like it because y'all were saved. But you know, we just trying to figure, we're both hard-headed, trying to figure each other out, want everything to be our way. But I can remember coming home, and babe, I gave everything tonight. Everything but a few bucks. But when I say everything, it wasn't much. We're talking about a couple hundred dollars. Wasn't much. But to us, it was a lot at that time. A lot at that time. I'm like, we got food in the house, bills paid. All right, God. And I didn't even think about it. Within days, people were hunting me down, trying to bring me checks I hadn't seen in years. So we want to bless your ministry. We know you're doing out there doing ministry. And the church is not big. And people, you know, I knew from my childhood, things showed up in the mail a week later that was crazy tell you what, God more than quadruple what we gave that day within a week's time. I'm not doing that to get you to give. It's not about that at all. But it's about are you going to obey? Are you going to talk to the person God's told you to talk to? Are you going to step out and do the ministry God's told you to do? 
Maybe you're supposed to be the next TikTok sensation. I mean, I'm not, not joking, but I kind of am. kind of am. But Jesus asked this man to alter his entire life. Usually when God asks you to do something, usually it takes you just a tad out of your comfort level and maybe a lot. But God can do everything he's promised and surpass your imagination of how good he can be to you when you simply obey his voice. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.